0: Okay. Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me? Can you see me? We had loads of technical problems, especially on YouTube, so hopefully you can hear me and see me today. My name's Craig Beck from StopDrinkingExpert.com. What is going on with the weather? It's gone crazy. Last week in the live stream, it was eight degrees, had the heater on. Today, it's 25 degrees, got the AC on. It's, it's bonkers. Anyway, hello, everyone. Hello, Ellie. Good morning, Martin. Uh, hello, uh, Philip Lane. Good afternoon. All Mick is here. Hi, Mick. Brad Davis. I like this time better. Uh, thank you, Dave. Uh, Brad, we're now out of that stupid mismatch of times. Um, can everyone see me? OK, can you see me on YouTube? Are we live? Because I'm just a little bit worried that it might be happening again. So today what I want to talk about is the fastest way to quit drinking. Um Or putting it another way, what is the biggest obstacle to dealing with this problem that I've come across? Thank you, Gandalf. Yes. Martin says, yes. Excellent. All right, good. So what's the biggest obstacle that I've come across in 12 years of doing this? The biggest obstacle, I believe, is a failure to take responsibility. We're not talking about blame or fault here. You know, people end up with drinking problems for a variety of reasons, and often it can be as a result of trauma. And I'm not saying it's your fault, that you've ended up here. But if you want to deal with this problem, you have to take 100% responsibility. You have to say, I've got a problem and it's my job to fix it. Not to say, I might have a problem and I'm going to go and try and find the solution out there. Try and find someone else to fix this for me. You've got to own this. You've got to take responsibility for it. And I posted up a blog article this week uh, that seemed to be very popular. A lot of people were talking about this. If you want to go and see it, it's on the website, StopDrinkingExpert.com. And if you go up to the top, you'll see it says latest. If you click on that, it'll take you through to all the blog articles. Uh, And this is about understanding the stages of alcohol and alcohol problems. And it's five stages in total. Starting off with stage one, which is where you know alcohol's not really a problem in your life but you're starting to have more frequent occurrences of blowouts you know those times when you go absolutely crazy and have the hangover from hell they go from happening very rarely to a bit more regular you're having binge sessions a bit more regular that's stage 1 stage 2 is when your drinking increases and it goes beyond the experimental stage So instead of just drinking at parties and getting drunk and having a hangover, now you find yourself you're drinking most weekends. It's becoming a regular pattern in your life. Stage three is when you move from social drinking into addiction to problem drinking. And this is where you can start to see serious problems appearing in your life. For example, relationship problems, financial problems, career problems. You might start getting DUIs. You might start getting into trouble and lying about your drinking. This is where alcohol is really, you know, you've lost control of it at this point. Stage four is where problem drinking is just kind of approaching the the borderline of being a full-blown alcoholic. And you're drinking not for social reasons. You know, you're drinking because you're using it to relax or you're using it to cope or using it with for anxiety. But basically, you're not just drinking for fun anymore. You're drinking because you need it for some psychological reason. And stage four is one where there's a tipping point. You know, halfway through stage four, you can easily tip over into becoming a full blown alcoholic rather than a problem drinker. And then there's the fifth stage. Um, And the fifth stage uh, is basically where you are not only psychologically addicted to alcohol, but you're physically addicted, as in. You can no longer live without alcohol in your system. It's a bit like, you know, you need it like oxygen. And taking alcohol away from you would be like taking oxygen away from you. You would find it physically very uncomfortable. And so when you look at this scale, you got to be honest with yourself and say, well, where am I on this scale? Am I one one to five? Where am I? Because there's only so far on this list that I can help people. And I would say my range of helping people is from stage one to about stage 4.5, about halfway through stage four. After that, because I'm not a doctor, because I'm not here to give medical advice, it would be irresponsible of me to try and help someone beyond that stage because you don't need a coach you don't need a mentor at this point to talk you through you know what's happening explain to you how the illusion of alcohol is performed you don't need that you need inpatient medical treatment you need a doctor to say come here get in that hospital bed and you don't get out of it until we say you're allowed to that's what you need at that stage so the goal is always to avoid progressing so far up the stage that you get beyond reasonable help because you get to stage five and your life is destroyed you can't hold down a job you can't hold down a relationship you can't you can't do anything because you need alcohol constantly in your system uh, and what sort of job are you going to be able to hold down if that's your need and if you can't hold down a job then how are you going to pay the mortgages and so on and so on this is how the loop begins So I posted this blog post up and then someone commented on it a very interesting question. And they said, why do you think, Craig, problem drinkers stay in denial for so long? And I think the answer to that is comfort zone. Denial is comfortable. And as humans, we're programmed to default to the comfort zone. And. That's kind of a throwback to, the you know, back in the day when our lives were genuinely at risk every minute of the day. We were at risk from being attacked by other humans, wild animals, vigilante justice. You know, there was problems everywhere. And so, you know, if you wanted to stay alive back in the day, you stayed in your comfort zone. You didn't take any risks. You just stayed quiet and curled up in a ball, basically. And I think these days we get confused by what's a genuine you know, fear and genuine risk to our physical health and what is just a psychological fear. And what I've learned over the years is that, you know, if you want to progress, you got to get out of your comfort zone because it's warm and it's comfortable and it's safe there, but it's barren. Nothing grows in your comfort zone. You'll just stay mediocre. You'll stay a problem drinker in your comfort zone, in your denial, in your lies to yourself. And so what I'm saying to you is, if you're watching this, if you've just found my channel and you're you're worried about your drinking, but you're scared to take action, you're scared to even consider what a life without alcohol feels like, then you should see that fear not as a warning sign, not as a stop sign that says, don't do anything, stay in your comfort zone. You should see that fear as a window of opportunity. And that principle applies not just to drinking. It applies to everything in life, You know, business, career. If you feel a little bit of afraid of the challenge ahead, you should probably do it. That's generally... How i approach things i'm not talking about physical risk to your your body or anything like that i'm talking about you know business finances career personal development that sort of stuff if you're afraid you should see that as a window of opportunity so that's the point i wanted to make today the rest of the session as always is dedicated to you uh you can ask me anything any questions at all um Tell me where you think you are on that that list, that one to five rating scale of alcohol problems. Be honest. Tell me where you are and what you're doing about it. If you are here because you're worried about your drinking, when this live stream finishes, do yourself a big favor and book yourself a free spot on the next Quit Drinking webinar. The URL is at the bottom of the page. You will even get a copy of my book, Alcohol Lied to Me, as a free gift just for turning up okay let's see who we got here leslie black hello leslie from canada uh laurie is here from kentucky ellie says yes you are live victory uh celia hello everyone bill from north carolina live on youtube for me fantastic bill thank you very much leslie says yes live on youtube very good uh sharon johnson love the show thanks sharon from oregon uh bourneville from birmingham Hey, actually here on time today. Fantastic. Mick is here. Um, Steve W. Hi from Down Under. We've got Elaine Purcell here. Hi, Craig. I think I'm at stage three. Very interesting. Stage three is the best place to deal with this, Elaine, because you're no longer in the the realms of, eh, you know, maybe I'm just, you know, a heavy social drinker. You're definitely into the realms of problem drinking, but you're not quite at the precipice, you're not quite at the disaster area. So stage three is a window of opportunity that you must take, Elaine, because if you don't, you know what comes next, don't you? Stage four and you get far enough into stage four and you're having to have some very awkward conversations with your boss, your family about why you suddenly need to be going into hospital for various reasons. So seize this moment, Elaine. Uh, Jules. I'm not seeing it live yet. Oh no. Um, Maureen B. Hi. Uh, Shannon, man, Shannon here again, Craig from Brisbane, Australia, nine weeks doing very well. Um, uh, thanks to you and my freedom room support group friends. Okay. Shannon, thank you very much. Uh, Larry is here. Hello everyone. Kobe cat morning from Texas doing good. Uh, Philip lane. Is there a stage 0.5? No. Is that where you think you are, Philip? You think you're not even onto the spectrum yet? So why are you here? you just worried about it? you just worried about maybe you had someone in the family? Victoria in Florida. The clown almost got me, but I won. How did he get you? Oh, nearly get you, Victoria. What did he say? Um, uh, Lilla Lewis Pierce. Is that right? Peace, sorry. Uh, good morning, Craig, and hello, friends. 50 days sober. Happy, but feel awful at times. Why do you feel awful, Lila? In what sense? Physically? Mentally? I don't all You know, a lot of people say things like that to me. They say, oh, you know, I quit drinking several months ago, and uh, that pain in my leg, is you know, it's really flared up since I stopped drinking. And I, and I think, well, what makes you think stopping drinking is the cause of your leg pain? You're putting two and two together uh, and, and coming to, you know, 57. Don't always assume that you feel bad, because alcohol's gone. It might be something else, you know? So don't assume because then you overlook things and it's best just to go and get checked by the GP. Um, Martin says, I would say I was tapped out at stage three. It's a good place to tap out, Martin. Um, let's have a look. Um, I'm, I'm, forgive me, I'm, I'm going to struggle with your name here. This is going to be an Eastern European name, isn't it? And if I say it, I'll make a fool of myself. But you know who you are. I was a problem drinker because I have illness pain uh, that I medicated. uh, Not drinking for 15 months. Yeah, you know, a lot of people say that uh, they're drinking because they're in pain. Uh, And they often say to me, you know, if I stop drinking, what am I going to do about the pain? Well, you know, the answer to that is alcohol is a very, very poor painkiller anyway. You know, it's very bad at doing its job. Um, you know, they used it back in the day because they didn't have anything else. You know, when you, you saw these old movies where people got gangrene and things and before they chopped their leg off, they'd give them a swig of rum. Trust me, that did nothing. Uh, but it was all they had. Now we've got so many more options. So, you know, pain medication is a conversation you need to have with your doctor. But you, in my experience with doctors, you kind of have to insist, otherwise they don't take you seriously. They, they fob you off a little bit. Don't accept being fobbed off when it comes to pain. You shouldn't be living in pain. And alcohol is not a solution. So go and see your doctor and don't leave the doctor's surgery until you get a pain medication that works for you. Robert. Hey, Craig. Stage three for me, I'm afraid. Uh, mate, look, Robert, you're doing something about it. Um, by the time you get to stage five, you probably wouldn't even have the mental capacity to watch this webinar. So it's good that you're taking action at this point. Uh, Leslie, just saw the 13th step on a free app, Tubi, about AA and some scary facts. Thought of your views that I share on AA. You might find it interesting. Give us some facts, Leslie, today from the 13th step. Some facts about AA that we don't know. That would be good to hear. Maureen B. Let's hear it for Maureen B. Two months, 12 days, sober. Nice. Uh, Stephen Hall, good morning. Nice to be back on schedule. Still going strong. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, random and desperate. Let's have a look at what this says. I'm not an alcoholic, and I've I never see myself as an alcoholic. But there's always, uh, there's always i uh, I'm not sure what this says. Always a but socializing involved drinking. All my friends drink. If I stop drinking, okay, I miss my social life. Help. Um. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, but you don't have to drink with them, do you? You know. Um. You might feel pressured to drink but that that's that's not about the socializing that's about your mental state that's about how solid and certain you are about your conviction that you don't want alcohol in your in your life anymore you know if you went round to see your best friends and they were all doing heroin, you wouldn't feel compelled to join them would you because you don't see any benefit in heroin You might still enjoy their company and still love them and care about them, but you wouldn't feel compelled to join them because that's not something that sits with who you are as a person. And that's the goal here, random and desperate, is to change your core beliefs, to change who you are as a person so that you can look at alcohol and you don't feel a sensation of temptation. You don't feel like you're missing out. You feel like, oh, I'm glad I'm not doing that. That's freedom. Doing it the other way, doing it the willpower way, where you have to white-knuckle it, and force yourself to avoid the thing you want the most. That's not a solution, if you ask me. That's not freedom. That's just miserable. Martin says, I stopped by eliminating wine uh, Friday and Saturday. 12 hours after that was very difficult, but then it was fine for the rest of the week. But always looking. Yeah, as I always say, Martin, moderation is hell on earth. Quitting drinking is easy by comparison to moderating. Um, Laurie. So at stage five, do I just give up and wait to die? (laughs) Come on, Laurie, what is with that attitude? Well, you expect me to go, yeah, yeah, that's what you do. No, come on. Look, stage five just means that you need professional help. You need medical intervention. It's never too late, really, until, you know, your liver is completely gone. It's never too late to take action. You can get to stage five and turn it around. It's just you're going to need some help with the physical symptoms because even if you get it into your head, even if you completely change your programming and you believe that alcohol is not a benefit at all and you don't want that filth in your life anymore, if you stop drinking suddenly at stage five, you're going to have a miserable time of it at best. You're going to have tremendous physical pain from the withdrawal. And it's really not advisable to go through that without the supervision of a doctor, without some medication to make it bearable for you. Otherwise, you know, the the reason why the kick from heroin is so feared and is so deadly is because you have to go through agony to get to get off heroin. You know, the kick from alcohol, for for most people, is pretty mild. It's a general sensation of anxiety. It's a jittery sensation. The kick from heroin is agony. It's torturous. And you have to suffer this for, you know, days. You have to be in agony for days, all the time knowing that you can stop it at any moment by just injecting some heroin. That's why it's so hard to get off. But there's no need to feel like that with, with alcohol. If you've you got to stage five, you can get some assistance and a doctor can give you medication just to sedate you a little bit while the withdrawal plays out. Larry. Hey, Craig. Thanks so much for this forum. You're very welcome. Uh, Steve W. Hey, Craig. Just a fun question. Did you ever visit Australia in the days when you did live events? Yes. Um, I did Sydney, Australia, um you know where Sydney is. <laughs> um, it was pretty hardcore. I was I did two days there. I did two boot camps. Um, and I think I flew to Australia. I was in Australia for something like 48 hours. It was a hardcore flight. It was like I think it was sixteen hours there. I was there for 48 hours and 16 hours back. It was brutal. Uh, but I did Australia. Um I, yeah. And then pan- the pandemic happened and it didn't happen again. Steve W, uh, got up to 4 or 4.5 before stopping. It got scary, I bet. I bet it did. Up at 4.5, it would be. Victoria, your course has helped more than any other program. Thank you, Victoria. That means a lot. Um, uh, Craig J. Davies. Uh, greetings from Wales. I'm from Wales now. It goes a bit Irish when I try and do that. I won't do that again. <laughs> uh, Eddie, I'm at four. Just stopped yesterday. Good decision, Eddie. Uh, Owen, I'm on 80 days sober. Life feels like a void just now, but I'm keeping the faith. Uh, you got to replace the alcohol, Owen. There's job number one, you know. You, you can't leave a vacuum behind. It's going to get you eventually. You're going to be sitting on the sofa one Friday night on your own, lonely, bored. And you're going to, And the clown's going to see how miserable you are. He's going to speak in your ear and he's going to say, you don't need to feel like this, just have a drink. And you're going to go, yeah, yeah, I will. You've got to fill the void, you've got to fill the vacuum. And that means you've got to do a bit of planning. And I always say to people, you know, when you quit drinking, take a look at your diary for the next month ram it with stuff even if it's not stuff you don't even like doing even if it's going visiting relatives that you know you've been putting off for ages go do it in that month you want so much stuff in your diary for the first month of your quit drinking call, uh, journey that your feet don't touch the floor you never get a chance to be bored because it's distraction it's it's not enjoyable it's about being distracted and and it just keeps you from those moments where the clown can get you Uh, Thanks to your program, I'm not on the scale. I'm on my elliptical. Okay. (laughs) Um, Rob Woods. Hi, Craig. Uh, Sober for 3.5 years, thanks to you. Good man. Well done. Congratulations. UFO nut. Uh, I think we all want to know if you've seen a UFO. One challenge I face in sobriety, dealing with memories of who I was, embarrassing actions, and unprofessional professional things I've done, it's a bit depressing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a course for this uh, UFO nut. It's called Unleashed from Alcohol. Uh, you can add it onto the program if you do my course. Uh, it's The whole course is not about quitting drinking. It's about learning to love yourself. It's about learning to bury your demons because... We've all got stuff that we regret. We've all got things that we did in the past that are shameful and embarrassing. Uh, And, you know, sometimes worse than that. Sometimes we hurt people very badly because of our drinking. You've got to let it go. You've got to forgive yourself because that's in the past. And, you know, if you linger in the past, it's going to make you sad. It's going to make you miserable. If you linger in the future, if you start trying to predict the future, that's going to make you scared and anxious. You've got to try and stay in this moment. And that's why I always suggest that you treat sobriety as a rolling expression of gratitude. We never make predictions of, I'm never drinking again, or things like that. All that we should do is be conscious in every moment that I'm sober and I'm grateful for it. In this moment, I'm sober, and that's a beautiful thing. Hopefully, in the next moment, I'll be sober as well, but I don't know. So we just focus on this moment, right now. Everything is good. Try and stay out of the past. It's just, it's a, it's a depressing place. Uh, Janet, I was stage three, alcohol free for 28 days. Excellent, well done. Uh, you'll have an awesome summer if you keep this up. Uh, Martin says stage three, I was definitely psychologically addicted, but physically I was fine after 12 hours and mostly it was anxiety. Yeah, exactly. That was the same with me. I was never physically addicted to alcohol. I never ever needed to get up in the morning and drink alcohol. And, uh, you know, I actually used that as an argument to carry on drinking for years. I said, well, you know, I can't be an alcoholic. I never drink in the morning, never have to sneak off to the restroom at work to drink vodka. I, I can, you know, and I can go days. Um so look, uh, Bill, zooming in into day two for me, encouraging to see all you folks further along than that. We've all been on day two, Bill. Everyone has to do it. You can't skip it. Uh, Preet, uh, greetings from India. Love to go to India. Um, stopped on an airplane there once, Preet, in New Delhi, but I uh, didn't get out of the airport, unfortunately uh angela from australia angela you from australia welcome uh william is here william mckinley you've got a name that sounds like a brand of whiskey (laughs) did you know that (laughs) didn't drink for two months uh, and drank for four days straight i feel like an absolute failure you're not a failure william this is not about you this is not about your personality or your character or your you know, your strength of will or anything like that. This is a highly addictive substance. This is the second most addictive substance on planet Earth, just behind heroin. If you drink it repeatedly, it's going to mess with your head. You're going to get addicted. That's what it's supposed to do. You know, what happened to you is the logical conclusion of your actions. It's not a reflection of your personality. I'm sure that there is huge areas of success in other areas of your life. It's just this one thing, right, that keeps getting you. Well, that's, that's, that tells you, doesn't it? It's not you. You're not a failure. It's just this thing, this drug. It knows what it's doing. So dust yourself down. Don't give it more power than it needs to be. Don't beat yourself up. Learn from it. Learn how it got you. And if you haven't already taken action, do the course that I talk about all the time. StopDrinkingExpert.com and start again. Gandalf, five months, thirteen days. Uh, beginning to take for granted how much it stabilised my life. Definitely owe oh, the sense of calm I have throughout the majority of an average day down to sobriety. Five months is excellent. Keep going. Uh, calm, peace, and calm is what you know. Sobriety does bring you, Craig. I remember when I first stopped drinking, Saturday, 27th of February, 2021. And I was something like nine weeks sober. uh, But I'd gone back to it since then. I'm sober again now, but I wish I'd stuck to the path. The most important thing is you're sober now. You know, like I said before, just let go of the mistakes of the past. Mistakes are not something to be regretted, really. Uh, They're painful. They hurt. But they teach you amazing lessons. Pretty much, I'd say... Ninety nine percent of my life lessons have come with some pain attached. You know, what I've learned has come from making bad mistakes in the past. Uh, sadly, youth is wasted on the young, as they say. Martin, alcohol does help temporarily for anxiety, but there was always a rebound. It's not a solution. Yeah. You know, that's why I make the comparison, uh, Martin, that, you know, using alcohol for your anxiety is like using a loan shark for your debt problem in the short term. Yeah. It helps. Does it cause you a massive bigger problem in the long term? Absolutely. And should you keep going to a loan shark every time you get into trouble with money? No. That's a recipe for disaster. Should you keep using alcohol every time you feel anxious? You see where I'm going? At random. Uh, Stage three for me, two weeks sober from the UK in Manchester. used to live in Manchester in Castlefield. Uh, I worked briefly at the radio station Key 103. Is it still there? I'm not sure if it is. Um, Let's have a look. Mick's Mick's posted something here. Two parts. I like to be an active active forum member, but I'm seeing more and more. Keep failing at day two. Can't deal with. Uh, It's kind of getting me to don't like deleting questions. Uh, You mean, Mick, you mean. You're trying to help other people to quit drinking in the forum, but you're coming across a lot of people saying, I can't do it. Oh, you know, day two, I've fallen off the wagon again. Is that what you mean? Uh, Welcome to my world, Vic. Look, some this is why I'm not one of those therapists that I'm going to give you a hug and say, there, there, everything's all right. And, uh, you know, oh, what a shame. How terrible for you. That's not my style. I'm very black and white because I understand that I can help you. I can give you guidance and I can give you the tools and I can encourage you. But that's like 20% of the job. 80% of the job is going to have to be done by the other person. It's their job. It's their responsibility. And I'm very aware when somebody is trying to take their monkey off their back and give it to me, they're trying to say, here's my problem, Craig, I'm giving it to you to take away from me. I can't do that. And it's not going to be helpful to you for me to even pretend that I can. And so there has to be a bit of tough love, Mick. Sometimes you, you, you you know, you have to recognize that people are in victim mode and, some people want to stay in victim mode because it gives them a way to defend their actions. You know, you'll meet them everywhere, Mick. They're, you know, they're people who say things like, Oh, you know, I've had such a terrible life. It's not my fault. Everything goes wrong for me. You know, the whole world is out to get me. Uh, is, is it any surprise that I'm drinking with the, you know, my husband treats me badly. My wife treats me. Bad. And they've got an excuse for everything, everything you say to them. They've got an excuse ready to go. And you find the more you, the more you talk, the more you realize you're not getting through. And so what I would say, Mick, is just tell people what they need to hear and don't spend too much time wrapping people in cotton wool. They've got to do it themselves. Give them the pointers, but don't try and do it for them. They'll just keep coming back for more sympathy. It's addictive. It's a bit like alcohol. Philip my mum's an alcoholic hasn't drunk for 45 years my stepbrother died from alcoholic liver disease last year at 47 I've had my moments and I know it's bad for you so that's why you're here Philip I get it yeah so no wonder you're at 0.5 on the scale you've seen all that destruction um and good for you keep that you know keep that pain in your mind because that's that's a good bit of leverage you've got there Shannon I told my doctor about attractively packaged bottles of poison, and she loved the term she has never drunk. Well, that's 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 good. Often you go to a doctor about your drinking problem and you describe your drinking, and they give you poor quality advice because they know they're drinking more than you, and they don't want to seem hypocritical. So they say pointless, useless things like yes, yes, you should probably cut down a bit. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Thanks for that pearl of wisdom you've just given me. Um. My son drinks every day. He's twenty three. Liver and enzymes are very high. What can I do? It's a tough one, uh, Dreamer. Toughest question I ever get asked. This: What can I do about someone else who's drinking? You can lead them in the direction that you want them to go, but you can't force them, uh, and you can't take a you can't threaten them. You can't. Uh, Compel them or anything like that. You just gotta try and give them the good information and and hope that there's a penny drop moment. Try and get him to attend my webinar. Um, Sit with him while he does it. You know, it's it's only forty minutes, something like that. Make a deal with him. Look, will you sit and watch this with me? Um, Also, look after yourself as well. It's very difficult for people. Uh, related to drinkers and there are support groups of people like you as well you you can't force them to get help you can just encourage that's that's all you can do i'm afraid lynn mcintyre loved the video of the duty free at the airport it's crazy right i mean you know i could have missed my flight in the time that it took me to walk through the alcohol section it's nuts um jules uh going into week four sober Congratulations, Jules. I was stage three when I found this program. I'm so glad to be free. Longest I've gone without alcohol in years. Excellent. Uh, Leslie. All right. So there was this uh, program called The 13th Step. It's about uh, AA. and She says, The 13th Step refers to old timers that are predators to vulnerable newcomers. It spoke of all pedophiles and rapists ordered to attend AA and many of the women that have been assaulted and even murdered by these 13th steppers. I know when I gave AA a try, I came across some creepy men approaching me. It also spoke of a cult-like mentality and how you're broken and have a disease with no cure. You know what? That makes so much sense. Uh, and if you think about it, if you're a bit of a creepy weirdo pervert, picking up vulnerable women is is like a goldmine to you, isn't it? And where do you find really vulnerable people in AA? Um, so, yeah, I'd never thought of it before, Leslie, but it makes so much sense. It would be a predator's playground. Uh, scary really, isn't it? Robert, I was trying to tune in. you're an absolute role model to me. Thank you, uh, Robert. Uh, it will stick one day. I blew my last decent attempt this year after 36 days on the 6th of Feb. I've been struggling once again. Uh, okay. Sorry to hear you. You slipped. You just got to, you just got to bring in some new stuff as well, Robert. You got to try something different. All right. So what, the problem with all this stuff you've tried before, while it worked before, now you have the clown has some additional ammunition. Now he, he can say to you, oh, you're trying the old stuff, are you?" Well, we know that doesn't work. You're going to fail, and you can't, re- you can't really argue with him because you have failed in the past. So you need to bring in a new weapon, and you just try something extra new. Um, and that, you know, it could be a someone else's point of view. It could be someone else's book. It could be going to AA. It could be giving that a go, just to add that into the arsenal. Or it could be trying, you know, go to see a doctor and get something like Naltrexone. Just don't stop trying. You know, nothing is nothing is unacceptable. You gotta you try everything basically. Um. Swiss R oh, on Twitch wow um greetings from Switzerland as a oh this is for a dreamer as a christian i would say a prayer for him that is what i will do i'll pray for him to become sober in jesus name amen yeah i mean you know um i talk about the 41 journal which is similar to a prayer you know it's uh, it's sending love out there to someone who needs it Uh, it's not a very practical suggestion i know you're coming here for something you know that you can physically do um but it all helps i guess uh robert i was stupid Uh, i was feeling good but decided to drink at a social with my running club after a 10k run but how quickly it leads me to drinking heavily at home on my own again yeah you know that that's the problem robert you you get to the point where you look back with rose tinted glasses on don't you and you It didn't seem so bad. And you think, well, you know, I quit fairly easily. You know, I'd just quit again if it got in, became a problem. And that's the voice of the clown. You know, the problem is the, the word, one of the worst emails I get from people is I drank last night and I'm so pleased. I didn't like the taste of it. I'm thrilled. I now hate the taste of alcohol. When people email me that, I'm like, oh no. Oh, no, you're about to go down a very deep rabbit hole because that is an illusion. You taste alcohol for the first time in months and you 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 taste it for what it is. It's disgusting. You go, oh, that's horrible. And then your thinking becomes like, if I don't like the taste of it, I can probably just have one drink just to be social. This is the clown. And you start thinking. How, why would I drink something that I don't even like the taste of? So I'll just have one drink to be social and I'm cured. And literally within days, days, you're down the spiral into vast quantities of alcohol. It always happens like that. It's so predictable. Janet, uh, you helped me with my journey to quit drinking. Who helped you to permanently quit drinking? Um There's no one person, Janet. Uh, I kind of, I reached desperation at failing so often. I failed so many times. And, uh, you know, if you do the course, I talk through all the things I tried to control my drinking. Some of them are just insane. Some of them are just so ridiculous. You'll laugh at me. You'll think, you idiot, Craig. But I tried everything. And I got so sick of failing that I thought, right, I've got to do something dramatically different because everything I'm doing is ending up in the same place. And that's when I worked out that this is, you know, a conscious mind versus subconscious mind problem. And everything I'd tried so far had just ended up in civil war in my head with the conscious mind attacking the subconscious mind. And I kind of went back to my training as a hypnotist. I was a trained clinical hypnotherapist many years before I quit drinking. Um, and I started learning about NLP and various other uh, reframing techniques. Uh, and I slowly started to kind of change my my thinking, my programming about alcohol. And I started to see it for what it really was. And then I started to kind of writing it down and shared it with other people. You know, I, when I quit drinking, I had no idea that I would then spend the rest of my life helping other people quit drinking. It was, it was very much something I did for myself, for my own needs, you know. But there was no person who kind of helped me. Really. Uh, Can you give about? Can you give about the twenty one day hypnosis? Um, Preet, one of the things I suggest in the course is that you do hypnosis for twenty one days every day for 21 days. And the reason is, it, it's about three weeks is what it takes for a new habit to form in your head, in your subconscious mind. So, you know, hypnosis is not something you do once and then it's done. It's it's a slow kind of uh, drip feed. And you got to do it every day for about three weeks. And that's not just drinking, that's everything. So if you want to in- improve your finances, you want to improve your memory, you want to improve your career, and you're using a hypnosis track to it, to do it. I always suggest you do it for at least 21 days. You can do it for more, but not less. Susie Wild Stopped thanks to you and your book in December, and now I'm at an all-inclusive resort in the Bahamas. Are you showing off, Susie? Huh? Evil Clown, aka Anchors, are everywhere, and I'm happy to shout from the rooftop, you're busted, and I'm not listening to a word you say. <laughs> nice. 30-year sentence, now free. Thank you for sharing your story and your kindness. Susie W. from Montreal. Excellent, Susie. What's your go-to mocktail? What are you having in the Bahamas? Um, Let us know. Let's have a look. Uh, Stephen Parker. Hi, Stephen, from Sydney, Australia. Just coming up to 18 months. Thanks to your course. You've changed my life. Love that. Awesome. Uh, Greetings from the U.S., Craig. F your feelings. You're welcome. I would remember if you if you'd been here before, so welcome on your first time. Um, Peter Reeves, 60 days sober. Your videos help a lot. Big thanks. You're welcome, and congratulations, Peter. Chris Ball, hi, Craig. Enjoying my week of work? Back in day, I would usually be getting the trolley by now. Very good. Um, Andrew. Just turned three years sober. Your videos have helped me along the way. Cheers, Craig. Well done. Three years is awesome. You must have seen so many benefits by now. Martin says, be careful when detoxing with benzodiazepine. Don't use them for more than a week. Both alcohol and benzos affect GABA, and it could become a vicious circle. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of mental health professionals are very very down on diazepam and things like that. And that that is one of the drugs they use. Uh, But, you know, look, you've got to get a doctor's point of view on that. Um, Philip Lane, have you tried the new Corona 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 0%? It's nicer than the real thing. Fortified with vitamin D. My new summer barbie drink. Currently doing a three-day fast. No, I haven't, uh, but I'd love to. Unfortunately, here in Cyprus, we get nothing like that. We, we get Bex Blue and that's about it. The, the choice here is really poor. Cool. Craig, what's all this about stages then? Is zero t total and stage 100 a full-blown alcoholic? What is the maximum stage? I just came up with 100. No, Craig, um, if you go to the website, if you go to um and you click on latest, it will bring you to the blog post and this article here explains the stages. The stages of alcoholism go from one through five. All right. So below one, then alcohol is not a problem for you. It's not an issue in your life. You know, my wife would be below one. She has maybe three or four alcoholic drinks per year. She never craves it. Just very, very occasionally. She goes, oh, I think I'll have a beer with my meal. It happens three or four times a year. She would be stage zero. And then stage five is you're physically addicted, as in you, you cannot function without alcohol in your bloodstream. uh hi craig floated between stage four and the early stages of stage five for the last three years got your course a little while ago tried it a few days here and there will it work for me (laughs) i'm 24 days sober and well not if you try it here and there (laughs) um you know, with the course, Sarah, I offer a money-back guarantee, and the, the only proviso I have is that you did the course with 100% passion and conviction. I get people emailing me like they've done three days of the course, and they go, well, the course hasn't worked. I demand a full refund. It's like, you, did you even want it to work, really? You, if you're 24 days sober, Fantastic. You know, it's probably a good place to actually start the course if you were that deep into it. Uh, but if you're going to do it, then commit 100%. Don't do it half heartedly because if you just take bits out and throw bits away that you don't agree with, then I don't, I have no idea if it'll work. What I know is if you do what I say with 100% passion and conviction, you will stop drinking. Uh, everyone, everyone. Well, let's not say everyone, 99.9% of people um, who have ever said your course doesn't work, it's rubbish, didn't do the course. Didn't do it in full. Andrew Bailey, hi, Craig. The more sober I get, the more I realize positive breeds positive and negative breeds negative. Simple, right, with clear mind. Absolutely, absolutely. And the problem is that when you're drinking, you're drinking a depressant, so you feel down. Uh, and because you feel down, you manifest more negative into your life. And this is another reason why it's a, it's a spiral downwards. Trish, your hypnosis with Ho'oponopono helps so much with self-forgiveness and all the behaviors I regret. If you don't know what Ho'oponopono is, go to the website and find out. It's what I have tattooed on my arms. Uh, it's the Ho'oponopono in Greek. And if you want to do, if you don't like meditating because you've got a crazy brain like me and you want to do something to release negative emotions and forgive yourself of the past, you can just do the Ho'oponopono chant. And all you do is you center yourself, you breathe deeply, peacefully and quietly, and you say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. Over and over and over again. And I know it sounds so simple it couldn't possibly do anything. Try it. i bet you it does. Steve W., I checked your site the other day and you have a course called Life Mastery. Can you talk about it a little? I'm grateful for where I'm at, but I need to move on to bigger and better things in my life. So what you're talking about here is... Um, you are talking about total life mastery, which is at craigbeck.com. Uh, if I can put that up there, um, so this is about uh, this is about living in the twenty percent, Steve. It's you know eighty percent of people in the world are, are always in a scarcity mindset. They they never have enough money. They never really get a job that they love. They're never in a relationship that's amazing and blissful. You know. Unfortunately, the vast majority of people will spend their entire life in this state, you know, this 80% state of scarcity. Total Life Mastery is about living in the 20%. It's about having an abundance of everything that you want. And and that's about your programming. You know, so many people in the 80% think that they're not wealthy because wealth is only for the corrupt. Wealth is only for the immoral. Wealth is only for the people who cheat the system. And... They talk about cold, hard cash and dirty, filthy money and things like that. And because they have that mindset, they program a part of their brain called the reticular activating system to effectively push away money. Their core belief is that money and success and all that stuff is not for them. It's for other people. And so they push it away in their actions and their deeds and their mindset. So. The course about the total life mastery is about changing your mindset so that you're in the 20 percent, so that you have this attitude of gratitude, this mindset of abundance and that you get the life of your dreams, because it's available to you. It's available to everyone. It's just you, you have to remove the blockages that exist in your own mind. Uh, and I am evidence of that process working. You know, up until the age of 40, I was flat broke. Um, in a disastrous marriage that wasn't going anywhere, in a career that bored the <laughs> – nearly swore there – a career that bored me to death. Uh, my health was failing. Everything was going wrong. And then I started working on myself. And today my life is just, you know, it's light and shade. It's, it's incomparable to what it was. Um Dr. Danger. Stage two cirrhosis of the liver convinced me to stop one. Well, it's pretty much the biggest slap in the face you're ever going to get. <laughs> James has asked about three times um, about booze and pot. You know, He has two problems. There we go. Here's another one. Booze and pot, any thoughts? Where was your first question, James? do we find it uh okay here we go my deal is twofold i'm very connected booze and pot i know you talk about booze any thought uh look i've never i've tried pot but i've I've never used pot james so it's kind of difficult about for me to talk about um and give you any pointers about you know how to deal with it because it's never been a problem for me i've never smoked either so it was just alcohol for me um but Often you get two addictions that kind of run alongside each other because they're anchored together. Uh, So you get a lot of people who drink and smoke at the same time. You get a lot of people who only want to smoke when they drink and vice versa. Uh, And that's because of psychological anchors between the two things. It's just that you've spent a lot of time doing those two things together. So really, there isn't a great deal of difference in the process of, of defeating them. You just have to remove those anchors. You have to stop them firing. And the way you stop them firing is by pattern interrupts and various other tools and techniques that I talk about in the course uh, to do that. Now, some people say, if I stop drinking, can I start smoking weed? Because I need something to chill me out. And I don't really have any strong opinions on that. It's not an absolute, you must not do that from me. But what I would say is if you're using something external to fix your problems, that should be a sign to you that you're not really doing it right. The solution to all of your problems is internal. And the healthiest solution you have is internal. It's your internal state. The answer is never external. You were born with all the tools you need to live your best life. So I wouldn't advocate for using uh, weed as a substitute for alcohol. But then I don't have any problem with people who smoke weed, if you see what I mean. Uh, Let's have a look. We're going to wrap up soon, but I'll try and answer as many questions uh, as I can. Mick. Yes, Mick was talking about coaching people who keep coming back to him and saying, oh, I failed again, oh, I failed again. Um, yeah, don't beat yourself up, Mick. Look, you, you've got to be a little bit hard-nosed about this at times um, because your sympathy, your hugs, your reassurance can be very addictive to people. You know, it it almost becomes like um, an upside to drinking. You know, oh, I stumbled again, but at least Mick's going to give me a load of attention. You don't want to play that role. Doesn't, it's not healthy for you, and it's not healthy for them. <laughs> Todd H., I was stage 3.5. I'm approaching 15 months alcohol-free now. I bought a cheap $350 drum set and I've been learning to play it to fill the void. I'm happy now. The neighbors aren't. <laughs> Your neighbors have got severe drinking problems now, yeah? Well, hey, send them to my course. I'll happily, uh, you know, lap them up. Um, Let's have a look. Brad. Why is it so hard to stop after one to two beers? I tell myself no more than two, but end up having eight to ten beers after work and wake up over a hangover and repeat daily. Because, Brad, you only get one decision in this process, and that is on the first drink. Every other drink will be decided by the clown because the first thing that alcohol does is it goes into your brain and it switches off the part of your brain responsible for making sound and logical decisions. So it doesn't matter how good you, your intentions are. It doesn't matter how solid in your belief you are that you will only have one drink. It doesn't matter. It's not your choice. It is not your decision to make the clown will decide whether you have a second and 99.9% of the time he will say, yes, another drink, please. So the reason you can't stop after one to two is you effectively, it's a relay race. And after the first drink, you hand the baton over to the evil clown. It's not you deciding. It's not you failing. It's just that you're no longer in charge of the machine. Bill, I always fall asleep listening to the hypnosis tracks. Uh, the way to deal with this, Bill, is if you're a morning person like me, I get up between half four in the morning and 5 a.m. That's my time to get up. I'm, I'm useless after three o'clock in the afternoon. Absolutely useless. So for me, as a morning person, I need to be listening to my hypnosis track before 3 p.m. If you're a night owl and you like to be up until the early hours and you hate mornings, you need to listen to your hypnosis track after 3 p.m., all right? uh another fun one what do you like to drink these days uh tonic tonic water is my go-to when i'm out like tonic water uh sparkling water is what i drink at home uh coffee on the boat and the occasional uh pepsi max Uh, and very very rarely uh some alcohol-free beers um maybe once every three months we'll buy you know a six pack of alcohol-free beers, something like that n thanks craig three months over saving a lot of dollars awesome um <laughs> brad you know it makes me look like an idiot when i talk about the the safe you just want me to humiliate myself don't you huh i will make it i promise uh trucker uh trucker J, thanks craig and everyone here this channel keeps me sober thanks for what you do it's pre- appreciated more than you know thank you very much Excuse me, Jason, my last drink was May 5th, 2019. Your book helped me through the tough early days, so thank you, Craig. You're welcome. Um, let's have a look. Oh, that's good to hear. Shannon Mann, large alcohol retailer in Melbourne, has opened a new trendy fully stocked bar with no alcohol. It's called Zero. Very good. Um, yeah, good question, Janet. Shannon, is this Zero Bar busy? Seven days, Lucas. Feeling very good. Excellent. Um, let's have a look. Donna, can one stay, endure a difficult marriage without liquid numbing? I'm afraid it's too late for me at this age to start anew, afraid of change. Sixty one years of age. I don't agree, Donna. Um, because how long are you planning to live? You know, you could be you could live to 120, you know, you could be halfway through at this point. Um, and I'm not encouraging you to do anything dramatic here. This, I'm just telling you how I feel about this. You know, when I got divorced, my mindset was this I thought I don't want to be 70, 80 years old looking back on my life and, say, and saying to myself, why did, you, why did you stay miserable for so long? Why did you choose not to change anything? That was a motivator for me. Now, getting divorced was very painful. It was very difficult. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like one minute I was married and then one minute I was happy and free. It was years of pain and discomfort to get to where I wanted to be. So it's not something you take lightly, but I don't agree that 61 years of age is too late because you know you could spend the next couple of decades miserable or you could spend the next couple of decades happy it's just my it's my thinking you know i don't know your own personal situation but i don't I, I don't think you're going to be able to just say that's it i'm going to live the rest of my life miserable it's always going to haunt you it's always going to come and attack you isn't it um james thanks for saving lives brother maybe have a pot guest like when you had the depression dude who was excellent yes we'll get andrew on again uh the problem is i don't know any um i don't really know any pot users well i know some but they've not stopped so it's not really (laughs) they're not really great guests are they (laughs) yeah how do you stop using pot i don't know man um uh, let's have a look. I'm willing. I am willing to do your course wholeheartedly. I just kept confused at the time with your terminology. I was not functioning when I drank. It took over my whole life. Been fighting it on and off for three years. Yeah. And uh, did you, I, Sarah? Did you get help? Did you get medical help? Because if you, you know, the course is really designed for functioning uh, problem drinkers. If you're, you know. And the other thing you can't do is you can't do the course while under the influence because you're not really absorbing any of it. So were you able to do that? Were you actually sober when you were doing the course? Because that's kind of an important point. Sarah, uh, any suggestions on setting boundaries when my partner partner drinks heavily but we don't live together? He came around last weekend and was becoming a handful. I kindly asked him to leave. Yeah. And you did right. Uh, And you shouldn't feel bad about that. You know, there are certain rules here, Sarah, um, when you have a heavy drinker in your life. And the first one is look after yourself. Second one is don't enable their drinking. Don't make it easy for them to continue with their problem drinking. Yeah. Secondly, don't uh, don't lie for them. You know, if they miss work, and their boss rings up don't you say oh yeah he or she was ill that day don't lie for them and also don't clean up their mess for them if they cause drama and problems in their life don't you don't you make it better tough love you've got you've got to you've got to let them do it and if you make a threat you better pay it off right so if you say to them you either quit drinking or i'm leaving then don't say that unless you will leave if they don't stop Because the moment you don't make good on your threats and your promises, you lose power in this situation. And it's all part of looking after yourself. This is their problem. You'll support them and encourage them, but you can't let it destroy your life as well. Let's have a look. (laughs) Angel, uh, Gomez, frequently I have lucid dreams that I'm drinking. And when I wake up, I actually didn't do it. It's an indescribable sensation feeling clean from Buenos Aires. Yeah, drinking dreams are very common, especially in the early stages of sobriety. What normally happens is they slow down in frequency. You know, you can have them once a week initially, and then once every three months. And then you'll have one out of the blue, and it'll come from nowhere, and it'll feel so real. And I talk about this in the course. I had a drinking dream that was so real that when I woke up, I ran downstairs and went to the garbage and looked through to check for bottles because I was convinced I'd drank the night before and I hadn't. The other thing that you might get as well is phantom hangovers. You wake up with a raging hangover, even though you didn't drink anything. They're just mean. They're just nasty and cruel. Um, All right, we're going to wrap up now. Let's just give a final word to someone. Uh, Lilliette. Thank you, Craig. Love these meetings. You're awesome. Thank you. Back at you. Mercy, Mr. Beck. Uh, you've emphasized what I feel. Thank you, Donna. Um, you, uh, yeah. I'll stay out of it, Donna, but you deserve to be happy. Everyone does. Uh, Jane, five years sober. I love my life now. We're ending on a positive here. We're going full pelt to the end. Um, Mary, I never joined the secret Facebook group because of the rule, no day one posts. Seems a bit unfair to me. Had to find another forum. Look, Mary, it's not, I'm not trying to be cruel with it. It's just that, unfortunately, it becomes uh, day one posts become cancerous. They spread like cancer in the forum. And I've seen it so many times. Someone posts, day, oh, I drank again, day one for me. And they get a load of sympathy and then it it just it, it fuels this flurry of people saying, yeah, me too, I drank again. And before you know, you've got a you've got a group full of people all complaining, oh, I drank again. Poor me. And it becomes a pity party and it doesn't help anyone. And so. You know, I always say if you fell off the wagon. Don't go looking for sympathy, don't go looking for empathy from anyone because it's not worth anything. You can come to me and I can say, oh, bless, poor you, oh, how terrible for you, and you will have my sympathy. But what's that worth? Nothing. What's it get you? Nothing. Does it help in your sobriety? No. So if it's worthless and pointless and without value, then there's no point in having it, is there? Dust yourself down quietly and start again. That's my, my mantra on this. And without that rule, the whole group turns toxic. So that's why it's there. I'm sorry it doesn't kind of fit with how you want to do things, but you know I've been doing this for a lot of years now, and it's the only way that um, I've been able to keep the group positive. So I hope that helps you understand my thinking on this. Uh, we'll give the final word. No, we won't. We'll give the penultimate word to Preet. Please continue these meetings. You're a savior. We'll give the final word. Thank you, Preet, by the way. Uh, we'll give the final word to Michael. Sober and cancer-free. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Craig. Love to all of the people here. You can do it. What a way to an end. So thank you for so much for watching. Uh, I will see you tomorrow in the next video. And we're live again next Wednesday, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 p.m. GMT. Make sure you put it in your diary and you turn up because I think it's a really powerful way for us all to remind each other we're not alone. And staying sober is the best way to be. Thanks a lot. Don't forget, if you're worried about your drinking, the next thing you should be doing after this live stream is booking your spot. On the next free quit drinking webinar. See you tomorrow.